Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc or you may be listening to us via podcast there at our website coastalwm.com simply click on the radio icon glad to have you this morning for another great saturday morning of leadership and entrepreneurship around the low country I'm one of your guests, Eric Cox, here with the full team this morning. I know. It's crowded in here. I'm, have you missed me? Were you gone? <laughs> oh, you like that, huh? I have no doubt Just, that you can hold down the fort. It, we, we survived. Barely. You survived. Barely. Awesome. But we are glad to have you back, Leslie. Thank you. I'm Leslie Haywood, and thank you so much for sharing your Saturday morning with us. And continue the fun beyond Saturday mornings, and make sure to like our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, or talk to us on Twitter at BTBCHS. And our other co-host. Mr. Stahl. Mr. Stahl. Byron, glad to be here again, Eric. And Leslie, uh, for a minute, since you weren't here last week, I'm going to flip over to Byron for a minute. And I know. Catch me up. Reflect back on our last uh, show. Uh, we had Mr. Sean Flug here in studio last week. And uh, Sean, as all of our guests do, uh, had a great story to tell. Uh, and we sure appreciate did. that. He's the managing partner, by the way, or managing member attorney of the Flug Law Firm here in Mount Pleasant. Uh, Byron, give us a nugget or two that you took away from Sean's show. Absolutely. And I'll, you know, because it's showing entrepreneurship, I'll uh, use his one of the biggest quotes I think he said on entrepreneurship. And he said that when you create a business, it's not a nine to five job, it's 24 seven. And I think that's such a good theme to present because a lot of people, and they think when you go into starting a business, it's going to be easy, and you're going to be able to choose your own schedule, but honestly, the schedule kind of chooses it for you when you're in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and I think he elegantly sort of laid that out, and also the timing of which they started that firm, uh, he was actually laid off, and so they literally had to sell and liquidate a lot of their assets, their house, their boat, and kind of get lean and skinny to go into this business venture. And so another great story of just, again, you know, surviving through those moments, determination and now look at their success that they're having so again sean thanks for the great story last week and the week before in case you again missed sean's story you can get a second chance by simply going to the website again it's coastalwm.com and click on the radio icon and you can hear not only sean's uh last two weeks but uh actually you can go all the way back to 2000 i think it's 15 or 14 man we're getting old in here we should probably know that number shouldn't that's right? a, yeah, yeah i think it's 2014 <laughs> but the the uh podcast only go back to 15 on on the uh, site so you know it's supposed to rain off and on all weekend and most of this coming week so you know if you're bored want something to do it's time to binge on a little bit of listening to beyond the business so uh, let's turn our attention though we have a wicked good guest here in the studio this morning so let's turn our attention to tracy noonan first of all tracy Thank you for being here and sharing your time and your story with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with all of you. Well, we're excited to have you. And by the way, in case you don't know who that name is, Tracy is the CEO and co-owner of Wicked Good Cupcakes. So 
Hence the pun, wicked good guest, right? Wicked good guest, that's right. And I'm <laughs> super excited because she is a fellow Shark Tank alum. Um, we have that in common, and so there's going to be a lot of... Uh, I know we'll get into this, by the way, yes. but you were on season four. Season four, and correct. And you were on season one. One. So yeah. that makes you like a great, great, great <laughs> grandmother. Yeah. Is, am I correct on that? Sure. Man, I love Let's to get a that. dig into <laughs> you right before you go on vacation. Thank you, Eric, for that. So, <laughs> Thank you. Before we actually get into Tracy's story, for those that are out here listening this morning, maybe they don't know what Wicked Good Cupcakes uh, is all about, give us a quick 20-second commercial. Sure. So we are the largest shipper of cupcakes direct to consumer in the United States. And basically, our cupcakes are shipped uh, nationwide in mason jars. Everything's freshly baked. And that was kind of our differentiator. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hearing all that. In case you didn't guess by uh, hearing the accent, <laughs> Tracy's from right here in Charleston, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Born and raised. <laughs> Born and raised. So. Wicked, wicked good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, as you know, the title of our show is uh, The People You Know, The Stories You Don't. We like to go beyond the business. Um, So why don't you take us to the very, very beginning. Where did you grow up and what was family life like? Sure. So obviously I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and I am the oldest of three children, the only girl. And I grew up in a very modest uh, family uh, background. We were middle class for sure. My dad was really a very brilliant man. He worked for Polaroid, and for those of you who are familiar with Polaroid, he was Dr. Land's right-hand man. And um, this was really exciting to me because down the road, photography became a very big part of my life. So we always had cameras to test, and it was really fun um, thinking back. The one thing I will say about myself is I was definitely the black sheep of the family, uh, my mom, my dad, and my two brothers uh, were very, very athletic and were greatly involved with team sports. Um, I had a brother who um, toured on uh, the pro golf circuit, and my other brother played football and was into wrestling. My mom was a total jock. She uh, was a figure skater. Um, sadly, her coach was killed when the Olympic uh, team was killed in the plane crash. Um, she plays golf. She played tennis. Just great at everything she did. Um, my dad also, you know, skiing, tennis, golf. And for as much as I did that to be a part of the family, it was not my main interest. I was more interested in theater and dance. So I used to take myself as a kid into Boston Ballet every day after school and on the weekends. And that's what I did. Unfortunately, um, my family didn't share my enthusiasm, so when I would have performances, no one ever came to see me, which is really kind of sad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but <laughs> it was really very sad. But being a kid and having that as an interest, um, it, it sort of didn't phase me at the time. I think it bothered me more as an adult, quite honestly. I just loved what I was doing, and it was a world that was mine, so I really embraced it. Um, when I was a junior in high school, you know, obviously everyone's buzzing about going to college and everyone's um, excited about what they're going to do and what their future holds. And my dad was um, not chauvinistic, but my dad was very old fashioned. And when I approached my family and told them that I wanted to go to college, 
uh, my dad shot me down right away. And his answer was, um, you're not going to school. You're a girl. You're going to graduate high school. You're going to get a job. You're going to meet a man. You're going to get married. I'm not sending you to college. And that for me was devastating because I had planned my, my whole life plan was around going to school. So as you can imagine, it was really, it was heartbreaking. And my dad was artistic in that he did a lot of marketing for Polaroid and he, you know, drew very well and had like a lot of artistic skills. He just never followed up on them. And I think we probably would have had a lot more in common had he, you know, um, shown a little more interest in that area. So here I am, um, devastated, thinking, okay, uh, you know, what's my plan B? How am I going to figure this out? So I was relentless with my dad. I kept going back to him saying, please, please, please send me to school. I want to go to school. I finally wore him down, and his answer to me was, fine, I'll send you to school, but you have to be either a nurse or a secretary. Well, that wasn't that wasn't what I wanted to do. Again, not in the grand scheme. So when I was... Uh, still a junior in um, still a junior in high school. I lied to my parents, and I told them that I was going to stay with friends for the weekend. I stole my father's Amex card, and I went to Virginia and I went to North Carolina by myself and auditioned for schools. Oh my god! I have a junior in high school right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm like, don't I, let her get her hands on your Amex card. Yeah. Right. This story I'm just like, now. like I'm, I can, I can't picture. And like, you know, imagine this. this. I had very strict parents, and I remember my, I had my mother drop me off um, at the T, which is Boston's uh, metro, and she said to me, should I wait for your friend's mom to come and pick you up? And I said, no, no, I'll be fine. And as soon as she left, I went right down the, um, the, to the train and took the train to South Station, hopped on a bus, and away I went. So that was fine. I also auditioned in Boston at Boston Conservatory of Music, and um, I did get into Boston Conservatory. I got a full scholarship to school, so I was going to be a dance major. Well, my parents were not pleased, as you can imagine. And for me, being short-sighted, I thought, well, I have room and board, so I don't have to see them and I don't have to listen to them. Not thinking about summer break, of course, and I'd have to go back <laughs> oh, home. <my> yeah. <laughs> I just kind of, as a 17-year-old, you're like, oh, I'll worry about that when it happens. So I went to school. Um, I did really well my first year. I actually got to dance with... Um, Boston Opera Company because they did a production of Deflate a Mouse and they needed some dancers and I was only a freshman. So that was exciting and I made a lot of friends and really for the first time felt uh, very independent. Um, unfortunately, uh, I had a boyfriend at the time and I got pregnant. So now I have to go home and tell my parents that I'm pregnant and um since there are no pregnant ballerinas ever on record, oh I knew gosh. that my dance career was pretty much over. So I went home and I broke the news um, one evening to my parents and my mother immediately told me I had to pack my things and leave. And my dad, this was so heartbreaking, my dad called me a whore and they both told me I had to leave the house. So I ended up marrying 
my boyfriend at the time because I really I had no I had no other option. There was no, you know, plan B. So I did that and uh, it was very difficult. I had two kids within 14 months. We lived in three rooms. So the living room, I would fold quilts and put them on the floor next to the couch. And that's where my kids would sleep. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. No, this is amazing. Um, I, what? So my ex-husband at the time had a full scholarship to college. He was going to um, Babson, actually, which is a really great entrepreneurial school. And he had promised me that when he graduated, it would be my turn to go to school and my turn to do something. So that sort of that promise kept me going. Um, it, it was tough. I mean, I remember eating over the kitchen sink. I would eat whatever was left over from my kids meals. It was not easy. Well, he graduated and um, a few months after he got settled into a job, he was hired immediately by Fleet Bank at the time, which turned into Bank of America. Um, I approached him with, I've been thinking about school. I'm thinking, you know, this is what I want to do. And he totally turned on me and said, I'm not sending you to school. You're a mom. This is what you chose. You're not going to school. And again, I had that feeling of someone throwing a giant roadblock in front of me. And out of sheer desperation, I decided that I was leaving. I had no money, no job, no education. I took my kids and I left. So not the most brilliant plan. Um, I had no place to go. But a neighbor of ours, a very kind woman, her family had bought my grandparents' um, little ranch house. And she actually told me I could live there. And the rent at the time was $600 a month. And her name was Natalie. And I remember saying to her, I I can't pay that every month. And she told me, as long as you keep the lawn mowed, I'll, I'll, you know, overlook that fact. So I was really blessed. And I had this cute little house. My kids had bedrooms for once. And I had to think, okay, what am I going to do? What can I do to support these kids and support myself and fulfill myself? Um... It was around that time that I noticed I had a flair for photography and knowing that I couldn't go to school for photography, I thought, okay, how do I learn how to break into the commercial world of photography? So I had, I put a plan together and I thought, I don't really want to shoot weddings. I don't want that to be the type of photography I do, but it's fast money and I can start doing that immediately while I figure out commercially what end of photography I want to do. So I got my own American Express card and I bought the equipment that I needed. And of course, I totally went, you know, at the time, American Express was a charge card. So you had to pay it back completely at the end of the month. Well, I Mm -hmm. couldn't because I spent $2,500. So I called Amex and I said, I can't pay you back. I'll pay you monthly. I'm so sorry. And that's what I did. Um, so I started shooting weddings. If I didn't have my children on that weekend, I would do, um, two weddings a weekend. And then when I had, when I had enough experience, I decided that I was going to be, um, a photographer's assistant because as a photo assistant, I would learn, I would work in a studio and I would get paid. So 
that was the key thing for me. I would be getting paid a hundred bucks a day to learn how to do this myself. So, um, I ended up divorced from my first husband, went into this uh, career path, and uh, within a year, I was able to start my own studio in Boston, and I became a really a, a much sought-after photographer of children, and that's what I did. I shot children for clients like TJ Maxx and um, some other big some other big clients. I did a lot of school books, actually textbooks, which were great because those would be nine-month gigs. So I would I would have work for nine months, and that really saved me. Um, at that time, I met my second husband and uh, my daughter Danny's dad. Uh, he was a photographer also, and um, we were married. And now things were starting to look up. For the first time in my life, I was actually able to do things. I bought my first house by myself. I took my kids to Disney. Like I really started to feel like. I had this self-worth and um, it was a really good feeling. Um, photography was great till it wasn't. Um, I can't remember the year it happened, but digital photography came in. Now, I remember mm-hmm. I was shooting film. I didn't go to school. I had no clue as to how to use a computer. Uh, digital photography at the time, again, new new um, technology was extraordinarily expensive. A new digital camera ran you about $50,000 at the time with all the setup that you needed. And there was no way I could do that. Absolutely no way. So my relationship with my second husband started to suffer because there wasn't as much money coming in. Um, we ended up getting divorced. I kept the house because I was determined. I bought that house and I was going to keep it no matter what I had to do. But um, we, uh, you know, I discovered one day when I came home from work, I noticed there were post-it notes all over the windows of my house. Well, my ex-husband had been sending in our tax returns, but he hadn't been sending money in with it. And since I owned the house, the IRS came after me. So that was a really scary uh, afternoon for me. They left notes saying, we know what you have. We want you to sell your furniture. My oldest daughter was going to um, our prestigious um, prep school that she worked really hard to get into. And they told me that I had to take her out of school. It was just a disaster. So I left the kids in the car. I took all the post-it notes off the windows, brought them in and went upstairs to my bedroom and called the IRS office, the local IRS office and said, we have to meet tomorrow. I, 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 we have to work this out. We'll figure something out. So I get up the next morning. I get ready to go to my meeting at the IRS. And my daughter says to me, where's our car? And I'm like, it's in the driveway. And she said, no, it's not. My car was repossessed. So the morning I had to go to see the IRS, I had no vehicle to get me there. So now I'm in a panic and I get a call from, uh, God, I can't remember, it was a repo company, and I had to meet the repo man in Boston, and I met him literally in an alley. He had a cardboard box with all of my belongings in it. You know all the stuff you have in the car? That was all in this box, and I'm standing in the alley, and he threw the box at me, and everything spilled into this disgusting alley, and I was on my hands and knees literally picking stuff up, and he 
he was screaming at me that I was a dirtbag and a loser. And I can remember being on the ground thinking, okay, people talk about rock bottom. I'm pretty sure that this is my rock bottom. And I swore right then and there that I was going to take care of my kids, figure it out, and just not ever be in this position again. At this time, I had a friend who had a horse farm, and um, I actually, we had a horse and a pony there, which I had to sell once I got divorced because I needed the money. And I started to work for him, and I mucked saws. I turned horses out. I exercised them. I fed them. And this is how I started to make some money. And it ended up that uh, the gentleman who was my friend is now my current husband. We've been married for 21 years. And he had gone through a divorce and we both had we both had nothing together. So there was a lot of camaraderie in that. And we literally pulled ourselves out of devastating financial debt. He literally moved into my house with me with two trash bags full of clothes. That was where we started. And it wasn't easy, but because we were working together as a team, we sort of could lean on one another. And we did things like sole possessions to buy Christmas gifts for the kids. And we had no decorations for the Christmas tree. So I bought those um, milk those dog bones that are different color, like they're red and they're green and they're yellow, and we like tied them on the tree. Of course, my great Dane ate most of them. <laughs> you could see how far she could actually reach up high because the bottom of the tree was completely empty. But I mean, that's the stuff we did, and those are the memories I have. And you know, I had a hundred dollars every week to buy food, laundry detergent. I had to work within a very tight budget, which I did, and we plowed out of that mess um my husband uh literally rode all over the world he was a rider for the u.s equestrian team and he broke his back in dublin and had come home and started a farm here in in massachusetts so thankfully he had gone to college and had a degree in um, electrical engineering and computer science so he was able to sort of reinvent himself i can literally remember him in the cold, up in a hayloft with a blanket around him, teaching himself code so that he could catch up and get back into the workforce. And that's what he did. And then um, a few years after he was back working in the tech world, he had a startup that was very successful. And that allowed me to try my hand at different industries. So I was for a while and I sold equine real estate I was really good at that until the market crashed, and um, I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. I was having Vietnam flashbacks. All these people, they were going into foreclosure, and they were begging me to get their house sold right away, and I just I couldn't handle it. So once my last property that I had listed was sold, I exited from that. Um, I had an animal talent agency in Boston. I did a lot of um, print work. I did uh, a movie, some television shows with uh, training animals and then that got to be a little bit much so I left that and then I started writing and writing was what I really loved and had a passion for and I started writing screenplays and I got myself an agent in Beverly Hills and I had one of my screenplays free optioned 
Um, nothing ever came of it, but I was really um, loving that part of my life. I had I had sort of like room to breathe because my husband's tech company was doing so well. Um, I could spend some time figuring out what I wanted to do. So that's kind of where I was. And uh, it was during that time period that um, we, my, my youngest daughter, Danny, was in college and she came home and told me she dropped out. She had one class left to graduate and she was, uh, she couldn't cope. There was something really wrong with her and we discovered she had bipolar disease. So that was um, a turning point for me. I put my writing aside and I literally sort of set into trying to figure out what would turn her on, what would be something that she could do that could be a career and um, we tried all kinds of things like finding furniture and refinishing it and trying to sell it and because she was very artistic. My other two kids were very, very um, just brilliant, bright children, uh, did great in school. Um, but Danny was more of like my unicorn. She was more the free spirit who was artistic like me. And um, finding something that she that would turn her on was a bit of a challenge because we're dealing with bipolar, although at the time we didn't know she had bipolar. I was, say, was there signs up until this point? Uh, she had be- um, she had become a little bit dark, so um, that was sort of sort of a sign and more introverted and depressed really. So Tracy, obviously, I mean, all these ups and downs. This is I'm, I should have brought something stronger than water this morning. By I know. Way. Um, <laughs> oh, all I these know. ups and downs. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time. But just to hear how you kept coming back and reinventing yourself and fighting through it. Obviously, the spirit of entrepreneurship and just the spirit of battling is in your soul. Um, you, we're kind of leaving this as a cliffhanger because we have to come back for next week. So those of you listening, make sure you tune the dial next. Saturday morning at nine o'clock because we want to hear how you evolved to Charleston and certainly the evolution of, of wicked good cupcakes and your experience on Shark Tank and how all that came about. So uh, sorry we have to run out of time today, but I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. And thank you for sharing and being so transparent with our listeners this morning. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Again, you've been listening to Beyond the Business, heard exclusively here on 94.3 WSC. Uh, looking forward to having you back next Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Until then, Charleston. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.